You mentioned how when you heard about the narcissist the first time, you were expecting to see sort of this grandiose outward mm -hmm. appearance. That's, I think, one of the most confusing parts about the covert mm -hmm. narcissist is because they hide that so well. They feel that way inside, but they hide it so well and the behavior isn't out there like that. And mm -hmm. I had mentioned to you, and I think I wrote it in the forward as well, that I'd had all these relationships with more overt types and like I could finally recognize the abuse. But when I was telling someone about the partner that I had back in 2014, she was like, oh, that sounds like a narcissist. And I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. I know what that is. She's like, honey, it's the same thing. It's just the more sophisticated model. I'm Meredith Miller, and this is the Inner Integration Podcast, where you can learn the mindsets and tools to self-heal after narcissistic abuse. Today, I have a special guest to share with you. Several months ago, I had a client who told me that she was writing a book on covert narcissists, and I was so excited that someone was going to put this information out there that I offered to write the forward. So the book is now published on Amazon. It's got excellent reviews. It's called The Covert Passive Aggressive Narcissist, and the author is Debbie Mursa. She's here today with us. So Debbie, first I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, and then we're just going to get into a conversation and to let you guys know what's coming today. We're going to talk about the typical behavior of covert narcissists. We're going to talk about the differences between the overt and the covert types, why the covert type is so much more dangerous. And then maybe we'll get a little chance to talk about some defense against the covert narcissist. So Debbie, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you decided to write this book? Yes. Thank you, Meredith. So I am an author of this book and one other one. I'm also a singer of healing, calming music and a life coach. And I work with people who ha are coming out of relationships with covert narcissists, as well as discovering their parent was one or a friend or coworker, and they're just trying to figure out what's going on. So that's what I do. And what made you decide to write this book? What, what moment was it that you decided this book has to get written? Yeah, yeah. Several years ago was going through my own confusion. And I've had several covert narcissists in my life. And this one particular one, someone mentioned to me, this person is acting like a narcissist. It sounds like they're a narcissist. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, this is the last label I would put on this person. This, one, this person's so nice. I don't get it. But I was in such a, going through such a painful time in my life, I was looking for answers. So I thought, okay, I'm going to start researching this. And everything I found at first was talking about an overt narcissist right. and explaining a very grandiose person that was full of themselves and obnoxious. And that didn't fit this person or other people in my life. So it was very confusing. But I kept digging because there was enough information that I thought, well, that does kind of sound like it, but not. So through a lot of research and talking to different people, I, I heard the word covert. Actually, a woman said to me, this sounds like a covert passive aggressive narcissist. <laughs> and I was like, what? Right. <laughs> Please tell me more because those words just were like the final piece to the puzzle I needed. So then having those words helped to then start searching that type. I didn't realize there was a type like that. I found it really difficult to find information. There is, it's out there, but you have to do a lot of hunting and piecing together. So after years of researching and working on myself and healing, I decided I want, I didn't like that there wasn't a book out there <laughs> to help people like me who needed it years ago. And so I thought I'm going to write the book that I needed and I want it to be 
a really comprehensive, helpful. Some books I had read felt like people were just telling their story, which is totally fine for them, but I needed more for myself. So I thought I'm going to interview lots of people. I'm going to make this really comprehensive and helpful. And also with a lot of hope and how do you heal once you have this information. So that's why I wrote it. And it feels incredible to have it out there. You mentioned how when you heard about the narcissist the first time you were expecting to see sort of this grandiose outward Mm -hmm. appearance. That's I think one of the most confusing parts about the covert Mm -hmm. narcissist is because they hide that so well. They feel that way inside, but they hide it so well and the behavior isn't out there like that and Mm -hmm. I had mentioned to you and I think I wrote it in the forward as well that I had all these relationships with more overt types and like I could finally recognize the abuse but when I was telling someone about the partner that I had back in 2014 she was like oh that sounds like a narcissist and I was like no 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 I know what that is she's like honey it's the same thing it's just the more sophisticated model and that blew my mind and yeah so I would love and that gives me chills when you say sophisticated model it's just such a brilliant way to put it because <laughs> there are and, and there's varying degrees and some are so sophisticated that you can be with them for decades or be raised by them and not see it for a very long time that's the most exasperating thing I think for the target for the victim is because you can see something's not right but no one else can see it and mm-hmm. you're like can anybody else see who my mom is or who my dad is or who my husband is or whatever it's just it's so great like you feel like you're going more crazy because no one else can see that side of that person. They hide it so yeah. very well. Yeah, that's definitely part of the crazy making part. You feel, and then for when you're raised by these people or working with them or know or don't know them for so long, it's such a trend to start doubting yourself, and and self trust becomes really really difficult. Yes. <laughs> and then when you have that on top of it, where you're the only one that sees it, that it's real. It's incredibly tricky. It is. I mean, they are like the kings and queens of gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So subtle. So sophisticated. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. can you let us know what some of the more common traits of the covert narcissist are? They really are the same as an overt narcissist, but they're so hidden. For instance, one thing they do is they sabotage anything, any date or place that means something to you. So a lot of people I talked to when I would ask, what were your birthdays like growing up with this person or married to this person or dating this person? And every single one said they were horrible, but I can't tell you why. (laughs) So it's an overt person would yell at you or call you names. A, A covert person is so covert that you end up crying at the end of your birthday or Christmas or some some sacred day for you. And you don't know why, because they gave you a gift. They had a party for you. They said nice things. <laughs> and you start feeling like, I, I'm, I don't know, I must be ultra sensitive. But somehow, they're really good at making you feel like something is your fault. Yes. You weren't appreciative enough or you're so hard to buy for, or it, you know, and, and they're, they're very interesting, like the way they'll give gifts. They're usually followed by some kind of speech about how they traveled so far <laughs> to find this gift, how they, you know, and you just feel like you, no matter what, you can't have a big enough reaction. <laughs> so yeah, that, and, and that 
that makes me think uh, a thing that's very common of them. If you have a parent that raised you, it's very common or any relationship to feel like their feelings are your responsibility. It's your fault. They're unhappy. It's your fault. They're angry. It's your fault. Their life is awful. And so those are really common things with a, with a covert where you don't really see, you don't see obvious things. These are people that you could never win in a court of law. (laughs) You could never, you know, they'd say, Oh, what did they do? Did they hit you? Did they yell at you? No, they held me and they loved me, but then I felt awful around them. And I, but maybe it's me. (laughs) It's so, yeah, the confusing part. So I would say one trait definitely is, is something I didn't read anywhere that, that they sabotage. I, I was, and say another example would be a woman lost her sister and on the first anniversary of her death she was feeling a lot and she really wanted she needed to feel that day and she needed to be taken care of and her boyfriend suddenly fell into a depression that day so what happened is because she's a caring person like most of us who get involved with people like this she took care of him And she felt like, well, I can't make this about me. He's really down. I need to make sure he's okay. So what he did there is so covert. You don't notice he sabotaged that day for her that should have been about her. But he made it about him. But there's nothing obvious that he made it about him. But he did what he could to turn the table so the attention would go back on him. That, I would say, is another trait. Yeah, and he knew that he can prey upon her empathy, that she mm-hmm. would put her feelings and her needs aside to meet his. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. What are some other traits that you've noticed in the covert type? There's a lot of mixed messages that you get with them because these aren't people that, let's say you're in a relationship with them, it's not all awful. <laughs> so there are beautiful love letters and loving things said. I love this about you. I'm so lucky to have you. You're so beautiful. You know, this and that. You're amazing. I wish everyone could see how amazing you were. And then messages of degrading, devaluing messages that aren't overt. (laughs) For instance, one woman I talked to was overweight and she was very conscious of that. And she went on a family vacation and her husband was the covert narcissist and they were there with their kids. And she told the kid, the kids wanted to go to the fancy buffet. So she told the kids, okay, one time we'll go to the expensive buffet. (laughs) And so that day came and she liked to get up earlier than everyone else. So she said, I'll meet you there. And they said, okay, you know, when you wake up, text me, come down, we'll have the buffet. So she went down, had her coffee, was just having some alone time before they got showed up. Then they showed up and she's sitting there with her coffee and the husband says to her, oh, you came down and had the buffet to yourself? It was just like, what? And the daughter said, like, mom would ever do that. (laughs) But it's like these little digs that someone could say, oh, you might be reading into it. But it's he knew she was conscious of her weight. She's on vacation. And it was, it was this very subtle dig that, yeah. that would imply that she would come and eat all this food where other people wouldn't see it. And then she'd eat again when they're there. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. And people who have gone through this completely get it the first time. 
you know, one woman in our uh, support group said, she said, I know this doesn't sound that bad, but he used to go out and garden a lot. And all of us were like, I get it. <laughs> you know, to most people that would be like, what's wrong with that? It's great. Taking care of your yard. But she, he had ways of punishing her ways of distancing himself. So a lot of times it's, it's the silent treatment. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's just knowing what will affect you, mm -hmm. knowing when they pull away from you, how much that hurts and confuses you. So a lot of very subtle manipulation and control through things like that, through not saying anything, you know, and then for, for people, oftentimes people that are with these people or raised by them are very empathic people who pick up on feelings. So when someone gives you the silent treatment, it just makes you crazy because you're just left the whole time wondering what you did. Did I, did I say too much? Should I have said that maybe I, and it just makes you crazy. It, and and in, in many ways, Sometimes you wish, not that this is great either, either, but sometimes you wish someone would yell at you because then it would be obvious yeah. cruelty. But silence is just deafening. <laughs> it's that silent treatment, and it's always the plausible deniability of those little digs that yeah. are disguised as praise, but you can right? feel like, no, there's something under there, or it's disguised as concern, but yes. you know they're just cutting you down. Mm -hmm. Or the indirect ones where, like, say you're an artist, you love your art, but he never praises your art or never right. validates that. But then he's like, oh my God, I met this person today. She's the most unbelievable artist. You should see blah, 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 blah. And that right. triangulation, but it's so subtle. And then you end up feeling, am I paranoid? Am I overly jealous? Am I reading too much into this? Maybe, but it, it's all those roundabout hidden ways. Mm -hmm. There's so much of that. And, and, and that cognitive dissonance because you you fully believe this person loves you. So you can't imagine that they would actually be doing that to hurt you. You know, that's, that's where it's just so confusing. So you do give them the benefit of the doubt and you do tend to think I must be reading into this. Right. And, and that's the, the most damaging part of this. I mean, there's so much, but such a damaging part is you learn over time to not trust yourself, to not trust that when your stomach tightens, it means something. It yeah. looks a lot more noble to believe the person that you love than to believe yeah. that intuitive feeling when you don't really have proof and you can't really put your finger on something. Yeah, I agree. definitely. That becomes a very slippery slope during that relationship. You know, the more and more you doubt yourself, the more abuse they get away with, the worse you feel about yourself, the harder it is to leave. Yeah, definitely. When there's so much good at the same time. And so you really end up lowering your standards yeah. without noticing. You, you, it's so easy to lose track of what love is supposed to look like and feel like. And, and this becomes your new normal. Right. What else? I think uh, you had mentioned about spiritual leaders, coaches, and therapists as mm. covert narcissists. Can you speak on that? Oh, and these are so damaging yes. because these are the people that you look to and respect. And once again, you know, there's a really powerful documentary called Holy Hell. 
that's a really good example <laughs> of this, of a cult leader who led people People stayed with him for over 20 years. Yeah, and it's really, I think film is such a great medium to actually watch and see this person who at first, for the love bombing stage, just were so impressive and so loving and cared about these people and listened to them and gave them what they hadn't had before. And then to see the slow progression of the devaluing and then the discard at the end. And it's fascinating to watch because most of us haven't been in a cult. <laughs> but when you hear the people at the end, when they finally leave him, when their eyes finally open, everything that they're saying, you'll be surprised how much you relate to. Wow. <laughs> it's really remarkable. And it really shows you somewhere I read or heard for people that have been in relationships like this, going through cult deprogramming, would be more beneficial than therapy with someone who doesn't get it. So an example of these people, they're, it, it really bothers me because they, they prey upon people who are seeking and tender-hearted, honest people who are looking for answers, who are looking for healing and spiritual guidance. And they are very charismatic people that come across so loving and tender-hearted and caring that it's so easy to feel like, oh, I found what I'm looking for. And then you don't notice it happening because, okay, so for instance, a man, a spiritual leader is acting inappropriately to women. And this can happen a lot. And so she confronts him. She gets up the courage to confront him. And his response is, wow, it seems like you've been triggered by something. Oh, I've heard that before. Right? Mm -hmm. right? Let's talk about that. It's you. you know, <laughs> it's you. Yeah, something I said or did is triggering something in you, which is a very common spiritual talk. Mm -hmm. And it's so confusing because there's elements of truth to right. it. But it's so incredibly manipulative because in that moment, he's not taking any responsibility for his own actions, he is turning it back on her and making it feel like something's wrong with her right. and that needs to be the focus. He's also taught her that it's okay to treat a woman like this. Right. You know, there's just so much damage that goes on there and she leaves feeling disempowered and confused and something's wrong with her. So it's, it's a very violent act to me, right. <laughs> to someone's soul. To treat them that way is is horrific. So that's that would be an example of how that can happen in the spiritual world or in religious world of a, a pastor or a rabbi or, you know, someone that has the trust of people. Right. And that's the other thing with people like this. It's very difficult to go to other people who are following these people and yeah. say, you know, this happened because most of the time they'd say, oh, I'm sure you're reading into it. Right. He's such a nice guy. He's so caring. And then that further injures the person who's actually seeing clearly. Exactly. But has nothing to validate that for her. You know, like um, you said, how there's always that element of truth to what they're saying. And that's what I found too, is these types will take like a spiritual teaching 
which is true at one level, but they'll pervert mm-hmm. it in some way, yeah. in a very covert, hidden way. And then they'll use that against you or they'll use it as a way to justify their abuse. They'll yeah. talk and talk that because they know that you're already thinking, oh, I think he's doing this or I think she's doing that. And so they'll talk and talk about that spiritual teaching. So then you really start to doubt yourself. And then yeah. often they'll even do the abuse by proxy. So they look clean. They'll use one of the other students or they'll bring in some other person to abuse you or the target and then they get to look clean and they get to pretend like nothing's happening and they get to tell you like you need to be more compassionate and forgiving and all of that right that's such a good point and yeah that happens so much and roping other people into oh it's just it's awful it's a form of bullying that you can't see through. There's, yeah. um, there's a famous spiritual guru. Now it's coming out. He's a sociopath, whatever. But one of his statements that he issued, it's all over the internet. And it says like, I am no longer responsible for my actions. You would only understand this if you were at my level of enlightenment. Wow. And the people buy it and they justify it. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You know, and, and that's what's so amazing, the covert narcissist. You can have the evidence yes. right in front of you, glaring at it. you. Yeah. <laughs> and you can still get caught up. I mean, even myself, you can still get caught up where you just can't see it because you still have, you know, and, and that's a beautiful aspect of of targets. You know, people who get involved with people like this, they're very trusting people yeah. because they aren't people who lie and manipulate and control so you don't assume someone else's right you assume someone else is being honest like you are and it's a very it's a huge awakening (laughs) on many levels when you start and and I talk about I I went through a lot of grief over that just wanting to really separate from this world for a while and and I needed that time oftentimes we do just need those times to pull away for a bit. But then it it turned into, you know, the more you understand and and the stronger you get in yourself, it's it turns into a very empowering thing where you can take yourself out of the drama of the world and see things clearly. And and there's something very freeing. Yeah about that ultimately and also very lonely when you're the only one around you that can see that truth yeah and that's where this you know I love your videos so much and I love what you do Meredith and I and it's in many ways YouTube videos can be lifelines and books can be lifelines you know when you're feeling so alone we really need each other and especially with these covert types to help us realize we're actually sane right (laughs) We're actually the smart ones that are seeing very clearly. I think that's really confusing when we're talking about authority figures. Like, you know, we talked about the spiritual and religious leaders. <clears throat> Another one is the therapist. I've had some clients mm. tell me, you know, they went to a therapist who maybe was a sociopath or a covert mm-hmm. narcissist. And a sociopath is just the most covert of all of them. But yeah. they would put their trust in this person as, you know, yeah. a knowledgeable, educated kind of authority figure and then very subtly that therapist would be blaming the client for this relationship with a psychopath or a narcissist and how destructive that was you know to that person it's devastating and it it puts you in a place where you feel like who can I trust right yeah and back into the it's my fault again the person starts to think it's them right and then even some therapists who aren't 
narcissists but are not educated yes. on this are can be so damaging without realizing it. There was one woman I talked to, she had been married to a covert narcissist for over 30 years and she had gone to therapy for 15. And finally, she I think she went to like three different therapists and then finally she tried a new one and this therapist after 15 minutes said you're in an abusive relationship oh. and we get you out. <laughs> I was like and I asked her, I found it so interesting because I said, what did you work on for 15 years? And she said, communication. Ugh. They just felt like she had communication issues and if she and her husband could just work on communication. And that happens. So, you know, that's the other thing too, like with long relationships and these can be very long relationships. You can try, the rules are so different. You can go to all the marriage seminars and therapy and you can do all the right things, but there's just no way <laughs> for this to ever be a healthy relationship. I've talked to so many where it's like they had date night and they talked, had open communication and all the things that, and oftentimes these relationships can look quite perfect mm -hmm. to other people, whether it's a parent. In fact, if it's a parent, you can oftentimes hear you're so lucky have a mom like that to have a dad like that I wish I had that so then that affects anything that you feel once again it must be me because right. clearly I'm so lucky <laughs> and even when that person is telling you all the right things because sometimes if you bring up whatever's going on oh I'm so sorry I'm never gonna do that again I love you so much and they're saying all the right things but there's no action behind it the same thing happens again yeah. and again they just know all the words to say. That's exactly it. And that's a huge trait, too, that the, the, the words don't match the action. And oftentimes they can be, and this was confusing to me because when I read about overt narcissists, they'd say, oh, these people never apologize. Mm -hmm. But covert part narcissists can be really exactly. good at apologizing. <laughs> Almost to the point where you're like so impressed. Like, yeah. Wow, I, I could wish I was that easy to apologize. But when you really look closely, it's what you're saying, where they apologize, they say all the right things, and they may even change their behavior for a few days, right. where you're like, oh, this is great. We had this bonding moment, things are good. But if you really look at it over time, nothing ever changed. Right. I think that just keeps the person there, hoping things mm -hmm. are going to get better, hoping for that change, that toxic hope. Yes, yes. Yeah, that, that intermittent reinforcement there's a scientist that explained that we have more, I'm blanking out on that good hormone. Oxytocin <laughs> or serotonin? Might be serotonin. It's something where they, they tested the brain levels and we, they are spiked when in anticipation of love. Oh, wow. Or they're higher at that point than they are when you're actually being loved. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's no wonder that we stay in these relationships because you will work incredibly hard for that hope for love, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. It is. Yeah. And, and good to know because we can often be so hard on ourselves for not seeing this, right? you know, and to really understand this really affects your brain right. in a way, you know, so it's, to be incredibly kind and understanding to yourself that these people really could manipulate just about anyone. Right.
You know, you mentioned the words not matching the actions, and that's something I noticed about them too is sometimes they'll even praise you to other people because it makes them look good. Right. It makes them look like a good person or your achievements make them look good. Like if it's your parent, yes. or maybe even your husband or your wife, right? But then you just know like this person doesn't really mean that. They don't really feel it. You feel like these energetic knives, but you can't really explain it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like then, why is my stomach feel tight. Yes. Why do I feel sick when he's saying nice things? Right. Yeah. The other thing I've super noticed. smart. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> they are smart. The other thing I've noticed is the gossiper, you know, the, the covert narcissists tend to be like the kings and queens of gossip where they're acting concerned, but like they fancy themselves as the matriarch or the patriarch of the family maybe. And like they have to yeah. be the one to tell you about everybody else's private business that's going on. And like if you find out before they told you, they're so put out that you found out. It's like they have to direct this flow of gossip and you'll see ah, them like- interesting even in family reunions, right? Like you'll see them, oh, and they love, you know, these people and they're acting so sweet and you get in the car ride on the way home or you get home and then they're just talking horrible stuff about this person, your aunt, your cousin, whatever, that they were True. just kissing their face. Unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable. And they, that, that reminds me too of they are kings and queens of drama, but the difference is they will be the person that says, oh, I hate drama. So-and-so is so dramatic. You're so dramatic. I can't stand drama. And so they're, they're, they sneakily create drama all the yeah. time without anyone noticing that they were the ones that actually started it. They, and that's the triangulation too, where they, they were the ones that actually said, you know, this person said that, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I feel like you should know, you know, like these puppeteers and then pitting two people against each other. And the two people never notice who actually started this. Right. Yeah. But they, I, I have noticed that they really thrive. It's like drama gives them energy. Exactly. Can you talk about the silent rage? You had mentioned that as well in your book. Yeah, yeah. that's And that's where an overt narcissist, you can clearly see their rage. Covert narcissist, you don't see it, but you feel it. You know, these are the people you feel like you're walking on eggshells in the home. They're, they're the type, they're the person who dominates the feeling in the home without yelling. But you can feel that uncomfortability, you know, if, when you're around people who feel like they're dormant volcanoes <laughs> that could erupt at any moment. And it makes you very cautious of how you act around them and what you say. And so, yeah, where you can just feel the air is so thick, you can yes. feel the rage. But if you ask them, are you okay? Seem angry. No, no, just tired. And then once again, who do you trust? Exactly. exactly. It's so damaging that, that that silent rage is just, it's incredible because it, it makes you, it also, when you grow up with someone like this or live with someone like this, it makes you very, one woman I talked to, oftentimes the golden child of, let's say the covert narcissist is a mom. And the person who is kind of their favorite actually gets it the worst because it can seem like, oh, they always treated you better. But what this 
with child learns is I have to be perfect in order to keep love because they get special attention. um, But it's because they're nice and they're giving their mom attention and love and they're listening to them. And so they learn that in order to get love and keep love, I have to be perfect. Right. I can't make this person angry. I have to listen to them. I have to love them. I can't make my life about me. And so that can then lead into relationships later on in life because that's the dance you learn growing up. This is how you behave to get love, you know, and so that that's a big cycle to break, you know, once you realize that and, and have to really relearn love, right? you know, and that you act and your worth that you actually deserve someone who loves all sides of you (laughs) and doesn't make you responsible for how they feel. I think that's a big part of healing is just relearning what real love looks like because these are illusions of love, these relationships. Yeah, so true. So can we sum up the differences between the overt and the covert types? You know, a big difference is a covert person cares about what other people think of them. An overt person really doesn't. For a covert, it's all about their reputation and how they're seen by others. So as a result, they won't do things that other people would go, oh, wow, that's awful. <laughs> and, and the ways that they control and manipulate is just so subtle that it's hard to see. So I, I would say every single trait, the gaslighting, the control, the manipulation, the intermittent reinforcement, the cognitive, cognitive dissonance, it's all exactly the same, but it looks different because you can't see it. You know, these aren't people that are telling everyone how great they are, but they are. Right. <laughs> just in really <laughs> subtle ways <laughs> and in ways that come across really humble right. and really caring. So these, these are people that are also usually pillars of the community and they're the moms that volunteer at the school and the dads that coach soccer and the, you know, they usually have good jobs. Money is very important to them. It, it's things are extensions of them and it all has to look good and perfect, including you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their kids need to look that way too and their spouse needs to look that way too to keep up the image and yeah so it's a lot of the same things but just very very subtle and insidious and not obvious and right. over it is obvious they're obviously irritating and annoying they usually have <laughs> they're they're just clearly full of themselves and no one can miss that right <laughs> yeah and and they usually have shorter relationships Right. Covert narcissists, a lot of people can be married to these people for 10, 20, 30, 40 years and not see it until the discard phase. That's when things are like, what's happening? Because that's when, and this is a good thing to point out, a covert narcissist can turn quite overt during a discard phase. Mm-hmm. And you can have someone who is both overt and covert. Let's say you're dating someone who's a mix. Your friends might not like him and think you can do better, but he's also super loving to you and to you very subtly manipulative. So he can have some things where you can kind of obviously go, wow, that's really horrible that he treats you that way. But he can also have some traits that are very passive aggressive and covert. That's true. I think at the end, they're all overt, you know, like at some point they all reveal themselves. It's true. Yeah. The mask 
kind of slipped yeah. here and there. Yeah. One other thing I've noticed about the covert types is some of them will play the victim. And that's something you also don't see the overt type do. Usually, you know, they would never want to be the victim because they're very strong. Oh, and... good point. That's a really good point. And I also think yeah. the overt type seems to be more impulsive. Like they make their decisions to abuse and manipulate on the spot. They'll just blurt mm. out these things. Whereas the covert is always watching and plotting and very mm-hmm. premeditated with their actions, you know, up to the end. I think like they've premeditated that from the beginning to the end where I, I, I feel like the overt gets in there and they're kind of like, let's see how far I can take this. And it's just like uh, more impulsive and momentary. Right, right. Yeah, and, and a covert will will definitely catch themselves. Like yeah. the, the mask will slip, and then in, then pretty soon they'll be like, you know what? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said right. that. I, whereas overt won't care. Right. Won't really care that that affected you. They don't care what you think of them. But a covert will be like, uh oh. Also, a covert going to therapy with a covert is the worst idea. Right. <laughs> Because that's their training ground. Yep. If a therapist says, you know, when you said that, that really hurt her or him, or when you do this, that to them is, oh, they're taking notes. Right. Okay, I can't ever do this again, so I'll find another way to control her. Because they also want to be impressive to the therapist. Totally. And all of a sudden, and, and you can go to therapy with your partner who is a covert therapist or covert narcissist or a parent or someone that you're trying to work something through. And the therapist won't see through that. Oftentimes they'll be really impressed. Like, wow, you've done all your homework. You are really looking at yourself. You're really trying. So then that negates anything you're feeling as well. Well, gosh, if the therapist doesn't see it, this, I must not be seeing clearly. Exactly. It tells them where all the cracks in their mask are. They fill those up. Right, right. Get more sophisticated with the abuse. Yes, exactly. And and that's why it's so easy to not see this. Right. If a trained therapist can't see it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that's exactly why it's so more dangerous. I think it's important to recognize that everybody who's gone through any experience with an overt or covert type or anywhere, they've definitely suffered. That's been horrible. And it's not mm-hmm. that one is more abusive or manipulative mm-hmm. than the other. It's just that the covert is more hidden. Like there's the wolf right. that looks like a wolf and you see the wolf and you run the other way. But when the wolf looks like a cute sheep, you want to go pet it and it looks all fuzzy and adorable. And then, whoa, it's way too late. And I think that's yeah. like the most dangerous part of them. And yeah. And, and that made me think too, these people can be very vulnerable mm-hmm. and seem very vulnerable. You know, there one woman I talked to, she said, oh, it was so nice to meet a man who was in touch with his feelings and shared so openly. And, and what it is, is it can be a manipulative tactic to get all the attention on them and kind of they kind of treat you how they want you to be and they'll bring up you know like you brought up before they'll they'll bring up another form of triangulation is they'll they'll bring up past girlfriends (sighs) wow you know she never listened to me or she never did that I love how you do this and it kind of trains you to go okay I have to make sure never to do that I need I need to always listen to them and mm-hmm. and these kind of people you can find a lot in spiritual circles and open-minded places you know and then you think you've struck gold <laughs> you finally found a sensitive man who talks about his feelings and he's not all egotistical when actually he actually is but he knows how to work you Right. because of your tender heart and that's what's so upsetting because these people are good people that get involved with covert narcissists right. with 
good, tender hearts. And I often encourage people to know this is still a really good thing about you. And the good thing now is that you're learning to spot things that you couldn't spot before. So that combination is an incredible combination of a strong, clear person with a tender heart. That's amazing. Speaking of that, can we sum up what some of the best defenses are against the covert narcissist? Can you share what some of those would be for you? Yeah, I think the number one thing to know and and realize is that you can trust yourself above everybody. (laughs) You are your most accurate barometer. Your body is the most accurate barometer you can have. Paying attention to when you're around someone and paying attention to how your body feels around that person. Do you feel yourself shut down? Do you feel yourself feeling confused? Do you feel your throat tighten, your stomach tighten, your chest tighten? When you're around someone who is a clean, loving, authentic person, you don't feel those things. So to really learn to trust yourself is huge and will keep you away from these people. And that takes a lot of strength to do. And I think it's like a muscle that you have to work, you know, over time and just acknowledge, okay, they're saying these nice things. I'm feeling this way and and starting to become a, a real strong bodyguard for yourself and going, you know what? Debbie, we've learned we can trust ourselves. (laughs) So let's do that. Let's risk being wrong and trust ourselves. So I think that's a huge thing. I think another thing is learning what love looks like, feels like. I love the idea of Jackson McKenzie in his book, Psychopath Free, talks about your constant. I love this so much. Be aware of your constant. You know, who are the people in your life who have always been with you, who you always feel comfortable with, who accept you exactly the way you are. And if you've never had anyone like that, maybe you've had a pet or an experience by the ocean or watching a sunset where you have that peaceful feeling. When you're around a sweet puppy, (laughs) you don't ever feel convoluted. You don't feel you don't question yourself and you don't feel like you're not good enough so really paying attention to those constants in your life and that's your barometer for how love should look and feel and be and not settling for anything less than that and knowing that your time is important and who you spend your time with is important and taking care of yourself in that way you're doing a great service to yourself and to to everyone around you really, because you're changing the game. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, I think those are to safeguard yourself from these people, trusting yourself, understanding, getting clear on what it's supposed to look like. Those are two very powerful things that help put things in focus. And then you don't have to worry about the traits almost. Right. (laughs) Like once you have those down and you're getting stronger and stronger with those, it doesn't even matter what the traits are like, because you know, because you're listening to yourself. And, and you know better than anyone. I totally agree with you. In fact, what I've noticed myself is you might know all the traits, mm-hmm. but in the moment, you're going to doubt all of that. All of that's going to yeah. fall apart if you don't know your intuition, if you can't trust your intuition. Yeah. Because everything yeah. else that you have in your conscious mind versus what your intuition is telling you, that subconscious part of you that feels, that knows, that's so yeah. much stronger. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And we need more strong, intuitive people that trust their gut. 
because <laughs> there are so many people that will look perfect yes. and will look just so polished right. and will look like the person that you're like, oh, you're the person I've been longing for. And, and that's what we're, that's what we learn when we get involved with people like that, that, that there are a lot of people like this exist in the world. And it's kind of helpful to know, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, I I tend to absolutely see people with rose-colored glasses and it's been a big wake-up call for me and I I needed to see this and and it's been helpful and it does make me trust myself more. Right. Yeah. Well, Debbie, I want to thank you so much. It has been an honor to have you here with us today. I'm so excited about your new book and I just like to ask you, is there anything else you want to add? Oh, I don't know. This, Yeah, this has been such a treat. I just, I know everyone watching loves Meredith and I love Meredith. <laughs> and I just love what you bring to the world and want to thank you for that. And thank you for having me on. To me, it's an honor and privilege too. All right, thank Debbie, you. I'm sending you a big hug and I'm sending the rest of you a big hug as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Inner Integration Podcast. I hope you learned something today that helps you see from a new perspective so you can take new action and transform your life after narcissistic abuse. Remember, you are enough, you matter, and you got this. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to get automatic updates on new podcast episodes as they're released. Visit us online at www.innerintegration.com where you'll get a free three-part video course when you enter your name and email on the homepage. Get loads of more free content to help you heal after narcissistic abuse on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Big hug to you.